pray. Father, Lord Jesus, God, we're just thankful that we actually know you and you allow us to know you. And Lord, I'm, I'm thankful that we get to learn more about you tonight. And Lord, I'm extremely thankful that we get to meet with other believers and be encouraged this week. Lord, I pray that as we just talk about what this passage means, that you would just draw us closer to you and you would help us to understand your love. You would help us to understand what you're trying to tell us in this passage. And Lord, it's so clear. It's so clear what you're trying to tell us. And Lord, we want to follow that because we know you have our best interest in mind and you love us more than we can love ourselves. Lord, and you know us better than we know ourselves. And Lord, it's just amazing that you love us and I pray that we would be able to recognize that through this passage and that we would put an extreme amount of importance on your word and that we would follow it with our entire lives with every crevice in our heart, every deep part of our heart. We would just just reserve it just for you, Lord. And we would love you with all of our hearts and, and we would uh, show that in how we listen to what you're saying. We would show that in how we worship and we would show that in how we go out and tell the rest of the world how much you actually do love them. And so you know we pray. Amen. So we've been in this um, series called The Life of a Follower. And uh, in Mark chapter 2, it just kind of, in, in four different sections of it, it kind of breaks down what looks like the actual life of a follower. And it, it's really cool how it works. But uh, the first week we learned how, how faith is the only thing necessary to actually save us. And how it's faith alone that, that we need in Christ to save us from our sin. And that our biggest need is forgiveness. And that only comes through faith. But then last week, um, we learned about how, how Levi, uh, the, was actually, you know, who we know is Matthew. How he got called from his tax collector's booth and, and was told to follow, to follow after Jesus. Jesus said, come and follow me and be my disciple. And what we learned last week was that he gave up everything to follow after Jesus. And, and we look at these two things as if, as if they're separate, though. And we, we, look, at, we look at faith and, and just being a, a plain Christian and being a follower of Jesus Christ as two different things. And, and we learned about how last week that, that that's just not true that these two things are together. These two things cannot be separated. Faith without works is dead, and, and works without faith is dead. If, if you call yourself a, a Christian, but you don't call yourself a follower, or you categorize yourself as that, we learned last week that, that that's just not true. It's just not how it works. So, so this week, we're going to be in Mark chapter 2 again, where we're going to be starting in verse 18. And we're going to be learning about why that's actually true, what we learned about the first two weeks. And we see the continuity of, of these things and how they just flow and how perfect these words are. So let's just listen to it and then we'll learn about it. Starting in verse 18, it says, Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and Pharisees do? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them, but someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. 
Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into, wine, into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would be both lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. So we start out with this scene of, of the Pharisees and John the Baptist's disciples. John the Baptist is a different John than the guy who wrote the book of John. This is the guy that you hear about, you know, eating locusts and all that kind of crazy stuff that he did. You know, he was in the woods. He basically just prepared the way for Jesus. Before Jesus started his earthly ministry, John the Baptist was going around telling everybody, hey, look, you need to repent because there's somebody coming that I'm not even worthy to take off their sandals. And, and he was trying to tell these people, look, you need to repent and put your faith in, this, in Jesus, the one who's coming. And he was trying to tell everybody, look, don't, don't put your faith in me. I'm not the one. And it was like, so, so who are you? It's like, well, I'm not the one. You don't need to be paying attention to me. I'm just trying to tell you who's coming. He says, I must decrease and he must increase. But apparently some people thought that, that John the Baptist was the man. He was the go-to guy. So they continued to follow after him. And apparently along with that, they were kind of following like Pharisaic traditions and they were fasting just like the Pharisees do. And what they would do is they would fast uh, two or three times a week. And they, they thought it was cool. You know, they thought that they were doing something good. They would, they would follow this, this, this thing, this ritual that they were doing, and they thought they were good with, with God. But then he looks at Jesus, who's claiming to be the Son of God, who's claiming to be God in the flesh, they look at Jesus and his disciples, and, and they're, they're trying to pick it apart. And if you noticed, the first week we were talking about faith in Christ, the, the people, the Pharisees were there along with the people. And they never even said anything, but, but the Pharisees were there, and they were criticizing Jesus. Last week, they, they were in the midst of them when they were eating with uh, the tax collectors. When Jesus was eating with the tax collectors, he's like, why do you eat with such scum? The Pharisees are constantly on Jesus and his disciples. So they're looking at Jesus and his disciples. Now it's like, well, why don't y'all fast? Because that's what God commanded us to do is fast. So we're, why aren't y'all following this ritual? And Jesus comes back with, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them, but someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. So he comes back with this analogy of the groom and the wedding guests. So the groom is obviously Jesus in this, in this passage. And he's saying, why would my wedding guests fast while I'm with them? Because there's way too much joy going on right now. That why, why would they fast? Fasting is, is connected with, with sadness or, or charity or with prayer or seeking after God's will. And, and you can find that all over, all over the Bible. And the fasting is, is not linked with joy. It's, it's more linked with seeking after Jesus. It's like if you, when you feel distant, when you feel like you're letting this world distract you and, and you fast, you, you say to yourself, I'm not going to worry about food because Jesus is all I need. And so, so he says, why would, we, why would they fast when I'm here with them? Because there's too much joy. But I will be taken away. And in the Greek, this is linked with words that are like violent. 
by being taken away violently. And he's speaking of his crucifixion. He's speaking of when they were going to take him away to go to the cross. And it's, it's not speaking of an unwillingness to go. It's just speaking of it being violent because Jesus himself said that, that he's going to go to the cross. And he says that you have no authority to take me to the cross. I'm going to the cross because my father said I was going to go to the cross. And so, and so he says, that day when I'm taken away, when there's mourning and when they're going to miss me, when they're, when they're not going to know what's going to happen next, when these things happen, that's when they were going to fast. That's when they're going to seek my face. That's when they're going to seek my guidance. But right now, I'm with them. And they don't need to fast. It's not necessary. And their fasting has nothing to do with their faith in me. Because faith alone is what saves me. And they're my followers. So that's what he's saying. Then all of a sudden, he says, Besides... Who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. When I first read this, I was extremely confused because we're talking about fasting and we're talking about a, a groom and, and his wedding guests and we're talking about the Pharisees and, and Jesus kind of arguing with them or, or coming back at them. And all of a sudden it says, besides, who would put new cloth on old clothing. I was like, what? It don't even make any sense. It really, it just completely just blew my mind. And when you read that word besides, it's obviously pointing back to what it was saying before. So he says that you don't put new cloth on old clothing because new cloth is, is kind of stretched out a little bit. It's kind of loose. And then when you put it with that old clothing and you wash it and you wear it, that cloth is going to shrink up at some point. And that hole that was there is going to be even bigger now because it was connected on the outer parts of that hole. And now when it rips away, the tear is going to be even bigger. And what he was saying was, is that there's a hole in the way you are doing things. It's not complete. See, what they were doing, fasting is not wrong. But there was a hole in it. There was something missing. See, they were fasting for all the wrong reasons. See, fasting was not made to please God. Fasting was created so that it would help us. So that it would help us to see that God is our only need. It wasn't so that we could please God by doing something cool, by doing something that He said to do. Because God's not looking at the outside. God's looking at the heart. And so when he, when he created fasting for us to do, it was so that we could get our heart right. But he was showing them, look, you're not, you're not doing everything completely wrong. Like what you're doing is not wrong. You can fast and you, you can fast when I'm gone. He's trying to tell them what fasting is meant to be, but there's a hole, there's something wrong. And then he goes on to say, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the wine would burst, the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. And again, he puts another analogy in there. You see, what they used to do is they used to take animal skins and they would put wine in them, which is, you know, a bunch of grapes smushed together and all that other kind of jazz. And then they sew it up. 
to where it's basically just, it's airtight. And as that, that wine sits in there, it ferments. And the bacteria in there that creates the alcohol in it, it forms a gas. And so as that gas is released from the bacteria, because they're basically, you know, they're just like us. We eat and dot, dot, dot. And there's gas that is released somewhere, you know, you, you, you know, okay. So the bacteria is the same way. You got to think of it that way. It's, it's in there and it's making a living, but that gas is staying in its environment and it starts to stretch that animal skin. And so as it's fermenting, that animal skin is stretched because it has a little bit of elasticity, just like your skin does now. You can kind of stretch it. It's got a little bit of elasticity to it. Well, if you put new wine in the old wine skins, the old wine skins have already kind of lost its elasticity. It can't stretch anymore. So when that bacteria begins to, to ferment and it begins to stretch that wine skin, it's going to burst because it, it no longer has that, that quality to it that they need. So new wine causes for new wineskins. So you, you can't mix them both together. He's trying to tell them something else. He's trying to tell them that they need new skins. He's trying to tell them that, that you can't add this new stuff into your old ways. See, we're doing new stuff now. Jesus is trying to, tell them, Jesus is trying to transition them into what the Old Testament was trying to teach them from what they created the Old Testament in their minds to be. See, they had this idea about the Old Testament and, and, and they, they would take it and they would do these certain things and they thought they were pleasing God and eventually they became self-righteous. Eventually they became to where I can please God myself. And we see that in, in the Gospels where there was a Pharisee and there was a tax collector and they were both walking up to the temple and the Pharisee says, God, thank you that I'm not like this man behind me. God, thank you that I'm not like the tax collector I do, I tithe, I, I give every, a percentage of everything I make, I fast three times a week, I do this, I do this, I do this. God, thank you that I'm not like this man, thank you that I'm perfect. Thank you so much, Lord, that I can do all these things just so I can look great. And the man, the tax collector stays back and says, he can't even look up, he starts beating his chest, and he says, he, he just, he can't even... He fathom being in front of God. And you know which one walked away righteous? The man who thought he didn't deserve God's love. The man who, who needed a Savior. The man who recognized he needed a Savior. The man who recognized he was sick and needed to be healed. Just like last week we learned that, that Jesus came to heal the sick. The people who are well don't need a doctor. It's the people who are sick that need the doctor. And so we see these Pharisees, they, they think they've got it all figured out. They think that they've, they've got this way. They're set in their ways. They think that it's right. And Jesus is trying to transition them. It's like, no, no, no. You got it wrong. You're reading the right stuff. You know the right stuff. You know what to do. But you've got the wrong intentions. You've got the wrong motivations. You've got all the wrong stuff going on in your heart and in your mind. I'm trying to tell you what's really real. I'm trying to tell you what needs to be changed. And so we're talking about this, this life of a follower. 
So you have faith. And the, the person who has faith has works because they were so radically changed. Their heart was so radically changed. They don't just walk away and, and, and never want to hang out with Jesus again. They don't just walk away and say, that was a cool experience. They're completely changed. Their heart is transformed into something totally different. And now you have the life of a follower. What is the life of a follower? You mean tell you what it is? It's new. The life of a follower is new. Just like you have the new wineskins. So you can't put your old ways into these new wineskins. You can't put your new wine into your old wineskins. It's new. It's totally different. You can't put, you can't have your old life. You can't have your old clothes on and, and, and want to keep them on and want to keep this part of your life and then try to patch in Jesus where you've got holes, where you've got things missing, where you've got little bits and pieces here and there that don't make sense, and you're trying to figure out what this life's all about. You're trying to fill those holes with a little bit of Jesus so that your clothes look right, so that, so that your life looks right. But it, it's, not, it's not all about Jesus because you want to keep your old ways. But the places where all, the, all, all of your life, the, the places that, is, that are missing, those places that are not satisfying, those places that, that leave a void in your life, you're trying to fill them with Jesus. You're trying, you're trying to just patch up the, the holes. You're trying to just do a little patchwork on them. But it doesn't work because your old lifestyle cannot cope with Jesus. Your old lifestyle cannot cope with it because when Jesus comes in, you're going to realize you, you, need, a, you need a lot of change. When you, when you try to put your faith in Jesus, it's going to come to your head, okay, you're going to have to count the cost. The cost of following Jesus is, is, is a lot of change because you're not yours anymore. You die to yourself now. now. Now you're alive to Christ. You live for Jesus Christ. And so when you try to, when you try to put Jesus into your old lifestyle and then you decide, no, I'm going to live both of them, when you put Jesus in there, it's going to leave a bigger hole. Because you're going to be even, bigger, even more confused than you were before. You're going, you're going to find out that, that your old lifestyle is just not working at all. And that you don't really want to go follow Jesus because you don't get to live this old lifestyle. And now you're miserable. Now you don't know where to go. Now you may be even dealing with depression. You may be dealing with like, I, I don't even know if I want to live anymore because this life that I'm living right now is backwards. You know what they call that? They call that a hypocrite. See, that's what the Pharisees were doing. They, wanted, they, they, were, trying, they were trying to get to God with doing their old stuff. And Jesus was trying to tell them, you can't do that. I'm the way. You can't get to God by doing what you're doing. And He's, trying, he's extremely graceful to them. I mean, He could have just said, you're going to hell. No, you know, you can't even repent. He's trying to tell them, they would have understood exactly what he was saying because they lived that life. They knew what it was like. They did stuff by hand. They, had, they knew what the wine process was like. And he was trying to tell them, your old ways don't work. Your old ways patched in with the new 
It's not going to work. It can't happen. They don't coincide. They don't work well together. And so what we learn about the life of a follower, it's a new life. You know what's so crazy about that? Is that we try to base our salvation off of a moment sometimes, don't we? We try to base our salvation off of, well, I put my faith in Christ when I was younger, but there wasn't really much change. Or I, I, I stood up in, in church one time and, and you know, I, I put my faith in Christ, what I thought was faith in Christ, but, you know, my lifestyle is still kind of the same. That is not called being a Christian. See, for some reason, us humans have kind of created this, this easy believism thing. And some churches do it, some churches don't. It's just the bottom line. Some people like to teach the truth. It's easier not to. It really is. And I can't say that I blame them, but they're wrong. And they're being deceitful. And they're leading people astray. And that's not right. But the thing is, it has confused a lot of people. It has confused a lot of people into thinking that they're saved when they're really not. And they know that they're not in their heart. They know for a fact that there's something missing. And, and these people who know Jesus Christ so personally, there's nothing missing. Even when stuff goes wrong in their life, there's nothing missing. They, they seem to have it there. They, they seem to have this peace about them. They seem to have this love, and, and they trust God with all of their heart, and they're different. You know what the Bible describes that as? A new creation. New. You know what John chapter 3 describes it as? Being born again. Being a newborn. You see, when Jesus comes in, you get new clothes that aren't stained. And when Jesus comes in, you get fresh wineskins. You get fresh wine. When Jesus comes in, you have a new life. Your life is totally different. You're nowhere near the same. You may see a little bit of difference. Let me just tell you that there was a difference between myself before I started going to church and when I started going, but there was night and day life-changing difference between when I was going to church and when I became a Christian. Because I stopped doing a lot of things because I thought that I wasn't making God happy. And my nature, how I've always been, is to just please whoever is in authority over me. I want to do anything and everything I possibly can for that person not to be disappointed in me. And so that was what I brought to the table with God. And he told me, no, 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 that's not how this works. See, what I'm going to do 
is I'm going to give you a fresh start. I'm going to give you a new start. I'm going to give you fresh clothes that aren't stained by your sin and by this world. And I'm going to give you a new start. And when I figured out I could be forgiven of my sin, when I put my faith in Him, and when I found out that I could actually be with Him day in and day out, and that He would be with me and I could follow Him and learn after Him, and when I found out that He was going to give me this new life, I was a new person. And what's crazy is, is that when I talk to somebody who is a Christian, I see that new life even if I've never known their old life. Because it's so just different. It is so unique. You can see God's Holy Spirit in people. You can feel it. You can feel the love. You can just like, you can feel it like with Donovan at, at the beach. It's like when you got up to him and, and his wife and, and we were around them, it's like the Holy Spirit was just like, man, that's my brother right there. I'd do anything for that man. I don't even know him. And that's the way I feel about y'all. But this new life that Jesus offers does not cope with your old life. And I think that when he's saying this stuff, I think I know that he's saying it with compassion. And I know that he's saying it with an invitation like it's not too late. And I know that he's saying it with such compassion and such grace that he knows you're scared of this new life because we don't like change. I tell you what, I, I don't like the fall time very much. I love the weather, don't like the time. Because every time the, the weather starts changing, I know that, I mean, it's just like every bit of change that's happened in my life happens like in the fall. S school starts back, Alabama football starts, and it's like Thanksgiving comes around. It's like, where did the summer go? And I just don't like it. I don't like change very much. And when we look at change in Christ, it's even more scary because you know it's about to flip your whole world upside down. And the thing we like to claim as humans is that, okay, I'm a Christian. I can, I can have my faith, and yeah, I can go to heaven, but my lifestyle doesn't have to completely change. I'll, I'll change a couple of things. That, but you know, you know, you know in the bottom of your heart, in the back of your mind, that God is calling you to a complete transformation, just an upside-down, I'm going to change your life. And you know that it's for your good. You know deep down in your heart that God loves you so much that he would actually change you. Not that he's forcing you to change because of some other reason that we think up in our minds. This is, we know that he's doing it because he loves, that's why we cry. That's why we're like, we're scared, but we know, we know that he loves us and we know that it's for our good. We just, we want to seek him for comfort and he comforts us all the way through it. When he called me to salvation, I, 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 just, I could just say yes, and I just said, God, you take it from here, because I'm so scared now, I can't even think straight. And he gave me peace, he gave me comfort, he gave me strength, he sustained me through the whole thing, and he sustained me for six years. But I don't base my salvation off that moment. I base my salvation 
off of the Holy Spirit with me being, every, being with me every day. I base my salvation off of I was here, I was an old person, I, I, had, I had old clothes on, I, had, I was just, I was doomed for, for hell, and all these different things, and I look at that, and I look at my new life now, I look at how He changed me, I look how He sustains me from day to day, even when life just is terrible, and I say, He's with me. I say that I'm saved because God said that the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of my salvation. And that when the Holy Spirit guides me day to day, I don't have to doubt my salvation. Now that doesn't mean that your skin, your new fresh skins won't stretch a little bit. That doesn't mean that your new clothes won't get worn in and, and you know, just like that, that feel that you've had it for five years. You know that, that shirt you have? That doesn't mean that these things aren't going to stretch and, and be a little different. That He's not going to continue to tell you to take off your old clothes and put on the new. He's going to tell you to take off the bitterness you have that you didn't know you had when you first got saved. There's going to be things that come up that He's going to graciously bring to your eyes, bring to your attention, bring to the surface through different things. He's going to bring those to your eyes and to attention. He's going to say, take off that and put on my clothes. Put on my love instead of your bitterness. Put on my peace instead of your worry. Take off this and put on this. And your skins, your wine skins are going to stretch a little bit. Your faith is going to be stretched. Your faith is going to be challenged. But you have a new life in Christ and He's going to sustain you. This is not up to you. See, the Pharisees thought that this was up to them. It was up to their work ethic. No, it's not up to your work ethic. It's up to you trusting and believing in Jesus Christ because He's going to sustain you. He's the one bringing you in and out of challenges. He's the one that's going to bring you and deliver you and give you victory at the end of this life and through every trial in between. It's Him. It's not us. He saved us. We're thankful to Him. We live for Him. We don't live for ourselves anymore, and we're glad of it. We don't want our old lives because they're terrible. Who would want the old when you can have the new? And the new never goes bad. I mean, it's always new from now on. The old has always been old. It, will never, it has never been new. Why would you want that? And that's the question that, that Jesus is asking you right now. Jesus is asking you, do you want my new life? Do you want to spend forever with me starting today? Because what's crazy is I just talked, I just talked to Jesus a minute ago. I don't have to wait until I get to heaven to be able to talk to him. He's with, he's with me. He's with every Christian. He's with every believer. He's with every follower. And he promises it. And he promises that when he gives you your new life, when he gives you your new mindset, when he gives you your new desires, when he gives you your new transformed heart, he's going to be with you and bring you through all the changes. He's going to comfort you when you need comforting. He's going to challenge you and rebuke you when you need challenging and rebuking. He's going to give you peace at all times whenever you need it. That's his promises to us. That's good news, guys. That's very, very good news that we don't have to rely on the old way. We have grace and we just put our faith in Him. And as a result of our faith, we follow after Jesus because of our transformation of heart. Because faith without works is dead. So, if God is challenging your heart tonight, I'm just telling you, don't run. Don't do that. 
It's not as bad as it seems. And I know you may be scared now, like I was. I'm telling you, it, it's worth it. And it'll be the best day, best moment, best thing that has ever happened to you. And it will always be the best thing that's ever happened to you. And you can always rely on Jesus Christ. You never have to worry about tomorrow. In fact, God says, do not worry about tomorrow. So let me take care of you. So, if God's calling you to a relationship with Him, I just tell you, don't run. And if you're a believer and you're struggling and you're discouraged by what's going on in your life, I'm just telling you that God planned that. God's stretching your wineskins a little bit. God's probably telling you to take off a piece of clothing and put on His. So just trust it. This is the life of a follower. So let's pray. Father, I just thank You for Your Word and Lord, how You've encouraged us tonight, Lord. And God, I just want to thank You for Your promises and how You never fail. Lord, You're always here with us. And, and God, You just bringing us the good news. You coming here on earth personally, humbling Yourself. You coming here just to tell us the good news. Even the Pharisees, Lord, You had compassion for them. You had compassion for the people of Israel and how they thought they had it figured out, God, and You wept over that. Because You wanted them to see. You wanted them to see what You were really saying, but they didn't want to see it, Lord. They were so prideful. God, help us to get past our pride. God, help us to be humble like you are humble. God, you shouldn't have humbled yourself, God. We, we don't deserve it, but God, you did. And God, you gave us good news personally. And God, you walked us through it step by step, God, story after story, parable after parable. God, gospel after gospel, book after book in 66 books. God, you showed us how much you love us over and over and over. Even in our lives, God, when we're going through day to day and we just pray to you, God, we forget how much you love us. We forget how in control you are. And you continue to show us, God. You continue to give us grace. Father, I pray that we would see that, Lord, and just follow after you. Follow after you with everything we have, God, with every ounce of our being, with every bit of love that we have. I pray that we would love you and with every bit of of strength we had, God. I pray that we would use it for your glory so that more people can feel your love just like we feel your love. And that when they're going through a hard time, God, they can just be alone with just you and have peace with just you. It's just you and them, God. And you can comfort their souls. You can comfort their hearts. Father, I pray that, that we would not be scared of you giving us a new life. Father, I pray that we would not be scared of you just continuing to stretch us, continue to change us because, God, you put all things for our good. It's for our good, God. We're becoming more like you when we do these things. When you change us, we're becoming more like you. We're becoming more like your son. God, we're, we're being holy. We're becoming holy. Father, I pray that we would not deny that. We would not resist that stuff. Like Everything you're doing to us, God, I pray that we would just 
just trust it, just fall into your arms and let you do it. God, I want you to. I want you to challenge me more. But God, I only want that because I know that it's not me that's going to be getting through it. God, you're going to sustain me. You're going to teach me. You're going to comfort me. God, you're going to do everything for my good. I don't have to worry about it. Even if I don't have a meal tonight when I go home, Father, I know that it's for your glory and it's for my good. God, I know that if I die tomorrow, God, I know if I get cancer, I know that God is for my good. I know this for your glory and that you're going to create everything. You're going to get all the glory and you're going to help somebody come to you through every one of my trials. You're going to help me to get closer to you through my trials. And same for everybody in here, Lord. Pray that we would not resist you tonight. We would just fall in love with you. Thank you for dying for us, Lord. We're even able to see this. In your name we pray, amen.